Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Alongside Stephen Simcox at his normal Wednesday position. Stephen, I'm, I'm glad you're back on Wednesdays. It, uh, you know, last week was wonky. You know, you had you on Thursday. But it's nice for the people who have decided they're only going to watch the show on Thursdays. To get maybe get a, a taste different, of it, like you know, sometimes people eat the same. Like I only eat tuna on Thursdays. You know, that's all I'm going to have. And then one day somebody goes, "Well, here, here's an Italian sub." And like, oh, I, I haven't been living my life. I didn't realize that I'm doing this on short rest. I mean, this is like <laughs> this is like Bochi going and getting Madison Bumgardner out of the pen in Game Seven. <laughs> I haven't had a full seven days to digest no. my thoughts. No, a research just six days. So that's that's something to watch. If I start fading in segment three, probably <laughs> probably just having just having go, the right amount of rest. Go get Emery; he's over yeah, there. I'll get, I'll get Emery out of the pen. Get Emery, 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 give some takes. And look, I don't think we can get. I mean, if you haven't seen Emery on camera, but I don't know if we can get a shot, yeah, of I don't Emery. think I can pull that one off right. Can't now. pull that one off. But Emery does have a very uh, eighth inning, like hold reliever. He does, Look yeah. to him. He's got the mustache. He's got kind of the crazy hair, you know. It looks like he might have a weird arm angle, like side yeah. arm. Yeah, he's, he's coming in. 
Yeah, he's a submariner for sure. Emery, Emery's like Chad Bradford coming yeah. all the way down here. Yeah, I would think I would think we could do that. You know. Yeah, I think so. Can I ask you a question about something I noticed about the decor? Uh huh. How did you allow a Florida Gator soccer scarf to get up here? Um, I I do not have autonomous control of this whole place. I do. Yeah, Jack, <laughs> Jack does. does. And the um, Jack was very industrious uh, last year uh, and started sending out emails to sports information departments mm-hmm. and saying like, hey, if you guys have like some gear or whatever, you know, here's a link to our channel. Here's our set. Like, you know, we don't care what it is. Like we want, we need decor. And surprisingly enough, and maybe almost totally out of spite, Maybe the like the largest school to respond to him was the Florida Gators. <laughs> they they sent a Gator soccer scarf. They sent us a Billy Donovan bobblehead, uh, which I don't. I'm not totally sure where it is. It's over uh, here. It's yeah. over. It's over there. Paul put it in the trash before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not totally sure where it is. Yeah. I might have ripped its head off. No. Um, but they sent in a couple of other things uh, that have, you know, the, the autograph. The sign. Oh, they have a signed autograph basketball that sits over there, um, right behind me, like during the show, quite a bit. Like when it rotates in and out of what we're doing. So the University of Florida sent us a lot of stuff. Again, I think for spite. <laughs> I think so too. I think that's a good bet. I hope they send more. I, we need like a. Tim Tebow devotional down here. Like a Joe Kim Noah <laughs> I'm, hair bun. I'm, like, well, you know, those are my least two favorite athletes <laughs> in the entire world. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I regard them in the same kind of annoying. Well, I think it's a good thing, though, for you, Paul, because you guys have expanded your horizons in this yeah. new world. Yes. You're a national show. Yeah. And so even, even you can stomach these things. Yeah. I do... Um, um, the best man at my wedding, Ryan, uh, was watching the show the first day when we were sitting over here, mm-hmm. and we weren't doing it at the table. And I don't think, yeah, you can see it uh, in in one angle. Um, yeah, you can see it in this angle, the Gator soccer thing. So we were doing it, and you could see it. And the first text, not like, "Hey, you're doing a great job of enjoying the show," <laughs> but he he and I, you know, were in college together at FSU. Mm-hmm. Was what the is that? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, there's a Gator soccer scarf behind you. And it had literally been there for four or five, six, mm-hmm. maybe 10 months at that right. point. Like, at, at, you know, after Jack put it up the first day, I quit really, you quit noticing these things. You come in Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. The, yeah. The set turns over quite a bit. You know, these helmets aren't always the same. You know, we move some over, we move some back, you know, we move things around. So it does look different. You know, look, if you've noticed the pennants are facing a different direction than they were last week, you know, just to keep it fresh, you know, we have a small space to work with here. So we try to keep it interesting and unique. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. He's like, how could you ever forget about that? <laughs> Like, <laughs> you're turning on us, Paul. You changed, man. <laughs> yeah. Like the next thing you know, you're going to be like, hey, I'm super excited to have Jacquez Green on the show today. <laughs> you know who I love? Reed L. Anthony and Danny Werfel and <laughs> like all these guys. Big commercial, Fred, Paul. Fred Taylor should be in the Hall of Fame. Don't at me. <laughs> you know, all these things. But yeah, it, it would happen like that, you know. Yeah. I would say you advocating for Billy Napier would be part of that, but as an FSU fan, that might be something you want to do. I don't know. Yeah. Give, given no, his tenure look, so far. And I will tell you, I, 
I have advocated for him in so much as I, I think he walked into a bad situation much worse than people understand. Mm-hmm. And because they're an SEC school with a fantastic history, uh, <laughs> but because they are who they are, everybody thinks it's just going to be Everybody easy. thinks it's going to be one of those things like, oh, we just, you know, Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen and, you know, Will Muschamp were drinking on the job and napping in their office and they didn't care. Well, like, it's not just those guys. Like, you know, may, like, I do think that there is, because I saw it with Willie Taggart at FSU, and I, I, I've seen it at Miami for, you know, everybody since um, Larry Coker left, mm-hmm. where there was this, like, oh, well, they'll just turn it, like, Michigan. You can say, it, like, everybody between Lloyd Carr and Jim Harbaugh. They're like, right. oh, well, I mean, like, they just don't know that the switch to turn the lights on is really on the other wall. You know, like... <laughs> there's, there's some easy code nobody's cracked yeah, yet. Yeah, there's easy code that nobody's cracked yet. No, it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you have to do is quit, quit thinking that anything that's happened before the day you walked in matters. Like, that's... I think that's Steve Sarkeesian's key, is that in no way... I mean, he understood the brand he was getting, but to him... 2005 was only good in that he could walk into a fundraising room with Vince Young and Vince Young could go like, hey, I love Steve Sarkeesian. Give them money. And he's like, thank you. That's all. But right. like walking into a room and recruiting a 17-year-old kid and being like, hey, do you remember 2005? They're like, I do not. I was not alive. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have great memories of that, yeah. Steve. <laughs> my dad told me it was a cool game, <laughs> you know, like he knew that that meant nothing. Right. I think that, um, Billy Napier and the people around at Florida have not quite figured out that urban Meyer has been gone for a very long time now. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel that long, but when they're doing documentaries about you, even stupid bullshit crap, uh, no information documentaries that should have never been allowed to hit television, streaming, cell phone, Quibi, when that was a thing, you remember Quibi? I do remember Quibi. Quibi was like, hey, we're going to do three-minute television shows because people are stupid and they can't do 30 (laughs) anymore. Uh, Like, all of that. Like, when they're making documentaries about you, you've either been such a huge story, like this murder happened two years ago and we now have all the mentions or all the information, Mm -hmm. or it's been a while. <laughs> or in Florida cases, both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's that's what I think what um you know that they deal with. So I have, and no one believes me. This is where like my credibility falls. I think Garrett is the most likely to believe me on this. All right. I'm now I need to hear this. What is this? Okay. I am willing. Because, again, I'm Henry Clay. I'm the great compromiser. That's your Henry le- history lesson for the day. Look up Henry Clay, the great compromiser. Garrett, look that up. Tell me yeah. about it later. <laughs> On it. It's back in the 1800s. He was a congressman who was always about getting legislation through. Okay. He negotiated very well. He's, like, never been deader than right now. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think we got a lot of those people now. No, I mean, like, you know, he's been dead for a long time, but somehow now he's even deader than you could possibly be dead. When there's only really one dead, he's more dead now. Um, but I would be willing to trade off some wins and losses with Florida and Miami if it was, like, the 90s again. Because... That was way more fun, way more fun 
than only one of us being good at the same time right. and the game's kind of getting drab. You know, the only, the only thing that most times when one team is good and the others aren't good mm-hmm. that's entertaining is the fact that you could ruin their season. Right. That's it. As opposed to, man, this, this is for the person who wins this game mm-hmm. is probably going to the natty. Like, yeah. those kind of things. Those kind of stakes. I miss those. Well, it's good for all the schools. It's good for everybody. A rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. I truly believe that. Now, am, do I believe it enough that if Florida got really good again, I wouldn't also be mad about it at the same time? Look, I'm entitled to believe two things at once that don't necessarily agree with each other and drive myself insane. Mm-hmm. It's called being human. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you believe him, Garrett? Do you believe this theory? I, I honestly, I do. I do, especially after seeing how he was emotionally destroyed this year when they did so well. Like, yeah, I, I definitely get it. Yes, I was as disappointed about something as I've ever been in sports in my life, and I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life, and I haven't. Like, do you know like the personal milestones in my life since they won a Super Bowl? Graduated high school and college. I've had like five, six different jobs. I've been here. I've gotten married. Yeah. I've watched a bunch of other people get married. Like, I've, like, the people that were at my Super Bowl party in high school, when they beat the Steelers, I was in like seven of their weddings. Mm -hmm. Like, I watched all that happen. I hadn't even seen a Playboy at that point in my life, other than on the gas station rack. Welcome to therapy with Paul. Yeah. I mean, like, so you think about all the things. Like, you know, I didn't like. Oh, I know, Paul. I've ne- I've never even seen an NFC title game. I mean, yeah. I have, but yeah. I was a toddler. Yeah. So all these things. Yeah. You, the last time that they were in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you were not using a toilet. No, I was just toddling around. Yeah. Lions you, fans have it better than me. Yeah. Lions fans. You had the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. You and the toilet were not friends. That's right. That's it. Sometimes there's, I'm still not, but <laughs> yeah. for different reasons. <laughs> but you guys, like, when it can time, you're like, nope, I'm just going to do it here. <laughs> That's it. This is somebody else's problem. That's how long it's been. That's the pain I felt. Mm-hmm. And even that, and having to go, like, and believe me, there's no harder training in sports media that you can do than having to be a good reporter of the team you love. Because it is easy to veer off the path. Mm-hmm. Because if you love a team and you cover them, it is so easy to veer off the path. This is why my friend RJ Ochoa, who runs uh, SB Nation, blogging the boys, I have such admiration for him. Because he is a dyed-in-the-wool Cowboys fan before anything else. Loves the Cowboys. But also, on a fan site, does some of the most critical work of what they're doing. Like, right. he's very good at that. And it doesn't sound like whining. It doesn't, it's very intellectual and high level. And so, but when you do that, and RJ and I have sat next to each other at many Cowboys games and had to watch, you know, them lose in the playoffs or lose big regular season games that cost them the division or you see the season going off the tracks and then walk down to a locker room and talk to a guy while he puts on his pants about what just happened. It's a weird thing, man. It's a weird there's I like I understand that that's kind of like the only time you can do it but like there's got to be a better way that we just haven't thought of yet 
We're like, hold on, let me get dressed, and then I will tell you about the game. Right. Good or bad, where we're just like sitting there like, uh, you, know, you don't really need that much cologne. Let's... <laughs> This is only open for like a half hour, so if you could just... Let's just do it real quick. There's like a bunch of guys we all have to talk to, so like if you could just, you know, put it on an undershirt before you put your suit on, like, you know, pull your pants on, you don't have to do the whole thing. Like, I don't need to see the drip. I just need... <laughs> like, those things, like, it could be completely different. So, I, I absolutely... Uh, you know, I absolutely uh, have gone through the pain, and nothing, like you said, Garrett, hurt. Like having a committee go, nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the I mean, the rising tide lifts all boats argument. It really is. It, it speaks to what the SEC has done mm-hmm. in that those obviously they want to beat each other. There's high level competition there, but they do have this shared identity where they sort of support one another outside of the context of the conference mm-hmm. and. Like, just the fact that all the teams are good has meant everybody is invested in it. I mean, aside yeah. from, like, you know, there's a couple exceptions. But for the most part, everyone is at least trying One, you've got, you like, to do it. It's kind of like the best. It's kind of like being the only kid who doesn't wear a tux to the prom if you don't. Yeah. Like, you know, I, there's a point where, like, oh, man, he's such a rebel. But, like, yeah, but, you know. Let's try a little bit. <laughs> let's try it. Let's, yeah. let's yeah. make some effort here. <laughs> yeah. So, Come on, Vandy. Yeah, exactly. Vandy's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, we are yeah we're going to space okay nerds <laughs> yeah oh do you do you guys love cancer more than we do because apparently we're the only ones fighting it <laughs> so um no they uh there are um again the rising tide this whole boats you don't want like i don't want them i'm and my agreement is i'm happy with them being successful to a point mm-hmm. yeah there's but a the, limit for sure but at the point where they become more successful it's like, then it's like, all right, all right, all right. I see somebody this push was not, me a little bit. This yeah. is not the deal. Yeah. <laughs> the deals were all supposed to kind of trade this off, not one run away with it, you know. You're like a quarterback who is there in the spring for a QB battle, and it's a QB battle, but you know you've got the job. You don't need the backup to win the job. You yeah. just need them to yeah. make sure you go through all the practice reps. Yeah, I'll, and I need to know that, like, if I sprain my ankle, that the team's not going to lose. Right. That's what I want to know. Like, that's all I know. Like, and I don't need, because, and the other thing that I think that the three teams, at least fan base, haven't understood is the fact that they haven't been good all three times again Mm -hmm. has led to the SEC exploding because now Alabama and Georgia in particular, and everyone else, but Alabama and Georgia in particular, who, you know, border the state, LSU, you know, those three teams can go in and get the guys and not all of them. It's not like all of Georgia's team is from Florida or all Alabama's team. Mm -hmm. It's where, you know, the best quarterback in those in Florida used to go to one of those three schools. And then they could go into another state and go like, well, you know what? We want the best quarterback in Texas this year because the Florida guys aren't really that good. They can go to Alabama and people would be like, okay, well, we got the best quarterback in Florida. And like, yeah, we didn't like him. So we went to Texas or California or New Jersey or wherever mm-hmm. he just happens to be from and got him. Right. You know, can't, like Jesse Palmer's from Canada, for God's sakes. You know, like that's, you know, what, what they did. Now Alabama and Georgia are taking those guys and like, hey, we've got all the best players in our state and the surrounding states and any state that we walk into. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it's changed. But when you had three schools that were like, you know, just kind of volleying back and forth those recruits, you were all good at the same time, and now 
by, you know, not none of this, like, since 2003, none of the three, the three schools, all three schools haven't been good at the same time. Right. Also, it's allowed UCF to build itself up to a point where it's a power conference team now. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of their university growing, but you've got now a different player in the game because you didn't do Fell it right for a long time. Yeah. So. Well, and I mean, it's changed a little bit post-NIL because A&M and Texas have so much money to spend now. And not that they didn't before, but pre-NIL, there was a few years where it was like, why are all the best kids in Texas going to – you know, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State. Well, that's where they're winning titles. I mean, that's where the titles are being mm-hmm. won. That's where the NFL players are being developed. And it's it's a national landscape now. Yeah. I do think, and I've said this a lot, Garrett and I have had this conversation. The reason that there's only one national title in Texas since segregation, mm-hmm. since desegregation, there's only one, is that Texas got too, it's too obsessed with itself. You know, like they, Just, you know, they're like, hey, we don't need to recruit. We don't even get on a plane. Yeah, you know, to go anywhere, we're just going to do yeah. here. Well, no, like when the other states are all winning, like schools from other states are winning, like Oklahoma should be the biggest thing. Like when Oklahoma's taking your players mm-hmm. and winning, you're like, hey, we need to just leave. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if they put one of ours in the hospital, we put one of theirs in the morgue kind of a deal. Yeah, like, yeah. let's go. Like, all right, fine. You're going to take this guy? Oh, yeah. Um, the guy we got is better than the guy you took from us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's what they need to do. But they've, they've all, like now they've all figured it out because – you know, if there's if there's a kid from Rutgers who wants to, you know, who could be an NFL first round draft pick and he wants to, you know, actually win the conference title, if Texas calls, Texas will call him now. Yeah. Oh, he's the best linebacker in, in the country and he plays at Rutgers. Well, not anymore. He doesn't. <laughs> Get your suitcase, buddy. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna teach you about barbecue and weed. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have legal weed in New Jersey. I don't know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> look that up too. Here, here the jo- like we're going to teach you about the 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 unencumbered joy of of not legal weed. <laughs> you feel like you're doing something wrong, even though yeah. if you cross the border in any direction, it's you wouldn't okay. be. <laughs> Just how it is. The so. danger makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go for these mellow highs that are accepted socially. <laughs> go for the ones that are. Still, yeah, still under the board. You could get in trouble for. All right, when we come back, I want to talk 5-7 playoff and the AQ question that will come up today during the commissioner's meetings. Uh, It's, I don't know, I know that it's probably the Big Ten who's who's put this through, but we're going to talk maybe, this might be conspiracy theory or why even having AQs is stupid and why it could upend the playoff before it gets started. This is the triple option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable. So it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. 
Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome into the Triple Option. Paul Catalina, Stephen Simcox, locked on Horn Frogs. Always good to see Stephen. I mean, just we go back a ways. Stephen and Garrett and I have been through some wars together. <laughs> yeah. We really have. Trauma bonding. Yeah, we have. Definite trauma bonding. Yeah. <laughs> Over, like, when you look back on it and, like, how stressed we were about, like, such a little thing. <laughs> yeah, I told my wife a couple months ago, I was like, man, I feel so much, uh, so much calmer these days. And she was yeah. like, yeah, I can tell you why if you yeah. want. And I kind of yeah. put it together eventually. Yeah. Was it Monday I talked about my wife getting me X Sirius XM? Yes, it was Monday. So, yeah, I'll tell you this. You'll enjoy this. Okay. So, I've never had Sirius XM. Me either, other than, like, the free trials. Yeah, I've had a couple of those, but, like, when we were working at the radio station, you can't mm-hmm. – it, it, it's, it's a waste of money. Right. It's many good things that are on it. It's a waste of money. So, she was like, how did you never have it? I'm like, listen, the minute I would start listening to something, like, oh, I'm going to listen to the Comedy Channel, or I'm going to listen to 80s on 8 or whatever – like, somebody's going to call me, like, are you hearing what's going on in the station right now? No. <laughs> Crap. We got dead air. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, I knew. <laughs> no problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? Oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Yeah, no, I had it on a different one. You know, you had to pretend like, oh, I was listening to one of our other stations mm-hmm. in the cluster. Accidentally. <laughs> I wasn't trying to pretend like there's other things in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Just to get away for the, my 10-minute drive to <laughs> Bush's Chicken. That's all I wanted was, you know, to hear AHA take on me just for a minute <laughs> while I went and got some chicken fingers. That's all I wanted in my life. So now I have it. It's great. And, like, I feel like it's one of those people, like, I feel like a, like a Lithuanian kid getting Levi's in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I have the American jeans. Do you see the American jeans? Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Have you guys seen the show Cheers? It is fun. <laughs> like, that's how, that's how I feel about serious radio. It's just <laughs> I'm the kid who got Levi's when the rest of the world's known about them because I was behind. I was, yeah. in, the, I was in the Eastern Bloc. You're like a kid in a third-world country that thinks the Bills are the NFL's greatest <laughs> yeah, dynasty. Yeah. It's like, man. <laughs> Jim Kelly keeps pulling it off. <laughs> I just, I would love, like, the NFL has that nat- international pathway program now, and I would love them to find a kid that, like, gets drafted by the Bills, like, walks into the thing, and then finds there's no Lombardi trophies. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Hold on. He's wearing an Andre Risen jersey, <laughs> listening to TLC. Nobody told him about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, just walks in like, it's been my dream to be here, to be with such champions as the (laughs) Buffalo Bills. And like, it goes to the owner, be like, hey, uh, where are the Lombardi trophies? And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, why do you think we have Lombardi trophies? And it just shows like pictures of him as a youth. All the memorabilia, yeah. (laughs) Where are all the Thurman Thomas MVPs? (laughs) What's what's happening? (laughs) I always felt bad for the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Um now I uh, okay. Let's get to this playoff talk. Okay, because because we you things distracted off, me. Yeah, too things much. gone off the rails a little bit. Went off the rails. I might not be back next Wednesday. No. 
<laughs> this this podcast will more and more as I listen to more Conan O'Brien needs a friend resemble that probably because <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite one. It's a good podcast. <laughs> um, but I um, I'm very concerned about the Big Ten or the SEC, and I don't think it's the SEC because they didn't want any automatic qualifiers because Greg Sankey's plan to me is better. What he wants to do is he wants to get those first five in, mm-hmm. and then of the other seven get four to five of them just because that's how it fell and go, huh, weird. <laughs> well, I told you, we're the best conference. That's just how it's going to be. Sorry to the rest of you. Congratulations to the one random ACC and Big Ten team that, like, crawled up out of the muck, <laughs> you know, and got in this year. Good thing that Florida State and Clemson were both good, you know, kind of a yeah. deal, uh, which I know was probably not going to be the case in five years. Mm-hmm. But – that's, I think, what he wants to happen. So then he can turn around and say, see, it does not matter what you do. We are inevitable. We're going to be there. We're the best. Everybody else is chasing us. Yeah, we call but, our spots, yeah. essentially. The Big Ten just has big alumni bases. That's the only thing they have. We're, we're the ones who are actually good at this sport. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we're doing. So, but I think the Big Ten, because now they've got 18 teams, which is more than everybody else, will say, like, well, we need four. Like, the number that was rumored was four. I cannot imagine that they think they would get four because if somebody walked in and said, okay, they're going to get four and the SEC is going to get four, well, then you're guaranteeing that everybody else is only getting one because the SEC is not just going to let them have four. Mm-hmm. And there will be years where if you did that, of the eight – there probably won't be eight schools from each one that would make it. So I'll just say, like, say the Big Ten gets three on average every year, which I would think is probably a safe bet because when you have Ohio State and Michigan, as good as they are right now, it's, it's a good bet to say that both those teams will be in, especially right. given how the schedules work. And then you throw Oregon or Washington in the mix, one of those, one of those two will get in. That's so, a good point. I forgot about that. I was thinking, okay, is Penn State going to get in just based on no, the fact yeah. that they, they beat everybody else? So you have Oregon and Washington, or maybe it is Penn State. Like yeah, You're going to have a third team that's, right. that's in the top 12. Okay, well, if you have four uh, SEC teams to get in, let's just say, for sake of argument right now, it would be Georgia, Alabama, even with a coaching change, LSU, and Ole Miss this year. Because I think yeah. Ole Miss is probably going to be the, at least the fourth best team in that conference. Or Texas. Or Texas, yeah, okay. So let's take out Alabama and put in Texas. Give it, give, just give Alabama a year to reset. So Texas is in there. Okay, so that's four. Well, there's 12 teams. Now you've got your other – well, that's now 13 teams in the playoff because you've got – well, I guess you've had two. So then you've got three other teams that are going to be in, right, mm-hmm. because the other conference champions. And then it leaves just one random at-large spot. So it – you're going to have years if you give them four automatic qualifiers where their fourth best team might be 18th. And yeah. so that means they'd have to jump six or seven other teams to get in the playoff. And then you're back where you started, where everybody's like, this is a terrible system. Mm-hmm. Why do we keep letting you do this? Plus, since everything has to be unanimous, I can't imagine that the other leagues would vote, vote for this. Yeah. But it is interesting to see how, like, what was the – Charlie Murphy about Rick James. He's a habitual line stepper. Yeah. <laughs> like the habitual line stepping that the, that the Super 2 will do. Trademark Craig Smoke. Super 2. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is going to be fascinating to see what they demand because 
I think they feel like they have more power than ever. Uh, on the surface, this feels like the best compromise for everybody. Mm-hmm. You get the five automatic qualifiers, which means you should, you know, in theory, get at least one group of five team in most years. Probably gonna have to go on the road, but is what it is. Um, and then you have your you're at large bids, and that's really kind of where it comes into play. But I just think it's always interesting to me the motivation that we see from these other conferences outside the Big Ten and the SEC. I feel like the Big 12 is a very clear direction with Brett Yormark. They're aware of the gap between them and, and everybody else, but mm-hmm. they're trying to find creative ways to like close that mm-hmm. and continue to main, remain competitive. The ACC is sort of in flux because of its situation, and of course, you know, the Pac-2 is its own animal. Um, but, I mean, you would think Paul, with it having to be unanimous, they should be able to thwart this. But I've sort of thought that along all the steps of this journey, and it still ended up being about what the SEC and the Big Ten want. So I'm not sure how this is going to play out. I, I feel like, and I, and I hope that this metaphor lands, that if you are a conference, just say like the American or the Mountain West, mm-hmm. that lets, or the ACC for God's sakes, that's let yourself get talked into everything by the Big Ten. Right. Um, if you let yourself get talked into this, it's like you know, husband going to wife and going, no, listen, this is why having an open marriage will be better for you. <laughs> like, this is how you win in this. You're like, ah, just feel like this is a way for you to sleep with other people. Read this Joe Rogan article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Read this. This is why this is better for you. Mm-hmm. And which happens, look, this is happening in American business now all the time. You know, this, look, us having this big sports merger uh, streaming system is better for the customers than them having to spend five extra minutes looking for something. Mm-hmm. If they can just hit a button or yell out and then the thing comes up, then that's, that's better than having competition on the open market. Like it's us, like we, you don't know what to do with this money. But that's kind of what they're saying is right. you, you won't even know what to Like, do you really want, Maybe a second playoff spot. It's so much you responsibility. You wouldn't even know what to do with it. Like, you know, we let you have a hamster and you couldn't take care of it. So you can't <laughs> have a dog. You know, like those kind of things, that's got to stop. That's mm-hmm. got, you got to stand up and say, no, 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 no. We're not just going to keep letting you get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. You guys are not Amazon.com. Like, yeah. let's, let's stop this and let's put our foot down. But that, that's the talk that's going to be kind of in there. And I cannot imagine that. The Big Ten might float it out there, just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but ultimately, everybody else should be like, no, 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 no. If I'm, especially if I'm the Big 12 of the ACC right now, I'm going to say, get out. Just well, walk out of like, walk out of this room until your attitude changes, and you can come back in and talk to us like an adult. And they have to flip the narrative about, I know there's some results that are pretty damning in this regard, but college football is different than every other sport. At the same time, though, there's no other sport like this that lives in hypothetical scenarios so often. Yeah. It's like, well, this team possibly – they couldn't possibly compete with this other team. Well, let's play the game and find out. Like, what's wrong with playing the games? Yeah. People talk about, like, having blowouts in the playoffs like it's some horrible thing for America. Like, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, if there's, a, <laughs> if there's a lopsided game – It'll be fine. Like, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And now we have more rounds, so we have the ability to kind of parse this out in a better manner. Um, but, you know, all the stuff about – and sorry to bring up the Florida State thing again, yeah. but just like, oh, well, Florida State couldn't have 
uh, competed. And then, you know, their result in the bowl game shows it. Well, no, it doesn't. They, they were – that was a totally different thing. That was a, that was a um, silent walkout. Yes, that, like, was, that, was a, that was quiet quitting is what yeah, it was. That was totally what it was. Like, I know people will say, like, oh, 63 to 3. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that was basically the players thumbing their nose at the committee and going, listen, we're not going to play your dog and pony show. Right. So we're not making any money off of this. We're just going to go. We're just going to go, you know. Yeah, their approach would be totally different if they played Alabama. And, you know, yeah, TCU got whipped by Georgia, but they won a game to get there. Like, it yeah. wasn't like they just automatically got put yeah. in the national title game. They meet Michigan to get to that ball game, and it was – they were totally outmatched in that game. But, like – But so, here's the thing. Michigan would have been too. Yeah, and, and, and the <laughs> thing know. is, like, you can't, you can't take those results and just be like, well, we can just never do this again. Yeah. I mean, that's not how, that's not how mm-hmm. anything works in competition. No. So, you have to stand your ground and be like, okay, like, let us – Play, and if you beat us, you beat us. But, like, you have to let us in the tournament. I love how, like, you can't apply the logic of basketball to football with a lot of these people because basketball, Mm -hmm. like, there have been blowout national championship games. Sure. But there's also Duke and Butler that really came down to Duke being – Yeah, Yeah. came down to the last shot and really came down to the fact that throughout that tournament, the officials had, like, subconsciously determined that Duke Mm – isn't going to like Zubek is not going to get a fifth foul. (laughs) I mean, it was like four games in a row. He's at four (laughs) fouls, like ran straight into somebody. And they're like, "Eh." (laughs) what are you going to do? I mean, how's he supposed to stop? He's so big (laughs) (laughs) like that. Like those things happen. And then there are ones that are like ridiculous blowouts Mm -hmm. and like ridiculous blowouts of two, one seat, like a one seat and a one seat. Teams that everybody was waiting to see, like, oh, man, I can't wait to see these two teams play. And then it's a blowout, and you're like, oh, well, I guess the other one wasn't really a one seed. No, they just had a crappy day that day. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there it was the worst matchup they could have gotten. There's a lot of things that happened. Like, well, why don't you just do that in football? And they're like, well, it's, football's different. There's only five guys in basketball. <laughs> There's 11. That's six Very more. complicated. <laughs> <laughs> There's helmets, and the ball isn't round. <laughs> what are you – there's kicking? Like, don't even. Totally different sport. Yeah. <laughs> don't even. No, it's like, look, just let it happen. Mm-hmm. The College World Series is a fantastic example. Yeah. If the College World Series was selected like the college football playoff is, I'll just tell you, my alma mater and Mike Martin, may he rest in peace, Mike Martin would have 17 College World Series titles. Because they would have been like, well, I mean, we don't want – this team doesn't deserve to knock Florida State out to and Q. Sure. They're not going to be there. TCU was one of those teams that did that to them. Yeah. You know, like TCU doesn't belong there. Yeah, I don't care how good Jim Schlossnagel's been. Like, they're just cute. Right. You know, like, that's, let's do that. So every other sport in college has this, mm-hmm. except football. Do you think making the 12-team playoff will hold the same significance as – Making the four-team playoff? I mean, I don't think it matters one way or the other, but... Yeah, I do. Okay. Because I think things are going to change. The way that roster is going to be built. Also, I mean, we're looking at the inevitable breakoff where, you know, they... You know, the big... The power schools. And I do think that there'll be more schools in this than people think. But this new tier of the NCAA... Mm -hmm. You know, because there are schools that will want to run in the like swim in this water and will spend the money to do it because they don't want to look at their fans and be like, look, uh, yeah, we're we just, playing, we're playing for a lesser title or whatever. We're gonna we're gonna stay down here. They're like, no, you go you go into hawk for this. We're not mm-hmm. we're not gonna stand for, like you won't get any of our money for a science lab if you don't try to win. You know those things. We we like I know that we're just Wake Forest, but we 
We care about this. We yeah. care about this. You know, like that's that's how it's gonna be. We're we're lowly pit, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> we want we want this feeling. Like, well, you could maybe win it more often. This is like, no, no, no. We don't want to win the lesser thing. We want to try to win the other thing. And even if we don't, we know we want to know we're trying. Mm-hmm. So there'll be more people in that, and then they'll just have to sit down the app states of the world and be like, sorry, it's over for you. Yeah. Like, this is your thing now. Good we, luck. We gave, we gave it the old college try, and you guys should be super proud of yourselves, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're moving on. And... So I think it will, especially as we move on down the line. And it's probably like it's probably going to wind up being 16 eventually mm-hmm. because TV will be like, look at the ratings. The bye weeks are killing us. Like, let's do it more. Let's reclaim. Let's let's change the whole calendar, which they need to do anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Like right now, they're going to I think right now, after these first two years, they're going to be kicking themselves that there's 10, 12, 20 days between games. They're going to be like, no, we need to like get this back on TV. Do you ever see a scenario where there's, I mean, D3 does like 32 teams, but there's no, there's no bowl system, right? It's just the postseason. And maybe it probably coincides with tiers and how this all ends up going. But could we just get playoff tournament as opposed to Mayo Bowl? You know? Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think the home sites, we talked about this in the main show yesterday. Here's what I think is going to shift this in a way that people may not anticipate. If you are, Dan Wetzel was on with us yesterday and, and explained it fa- it's a fascinating way. So this year, Michigan would have had the first round by. Georgia would have been the fifth seed. And Georgia would have gotten to host a playoff game in Athens. And Michigan would have been playing in like the Rose Bowl or something. And while they love that, they're going to see Athens, Georgia, full of 100,000 people, the tailgating, the money they're going to make on that game, and there's, like, not even the TV money. Like, the money that Athens, Georgia, and the university are, are going to pull in from hosting that yeah. game. One playoff game, right? Which Dan Wetzel very eloquently pointed out, this would be the biggest – if we hosted a playoff game in Waco or Fort Worth, it would be mm-hmm. the biggest sporting event to ever happen right. at that university yeah. to have a college football playoff game. You couldn't top it. It would be the biggest thing that could happen because the NCAA Final Four is never going to be here. Now, a first round of NCAA tournaments can wind up at these places. Yeah. But even then, like, it's the first round, you know. But if you have that draw and then Michigan has to not have a home game and then go to Pasadena, they're going to go, ah, we don't like this. We don't like this. And I do think, and it's going to take some time because, again, the wheels of college football – turn slow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, you know, a caveman, like spinning it <laughs> like this. They, they're going to have to cut the nuts off of the, the New Year's Six Bowls. Bottom line, that's what they're going to have to do is say, this is antiquated. We're sorry about your racket going away, but, you know, you could still have bowl games, but you're not involved in the postseason. Like, you're not involved in the playoff. Now, that's a fascinating point. I didn't think about the, the hosting angle and how that, kind of screws over the top seeds like it doesn't like it look, doesn't from a, not it from a competitive standpoint but like but just the idea of, and it's just something they're gonna want like they're yeah. not gonna say like oh darn we have you know you know georgia gets to take care of the team that we didn't really want to play anyway but like right it's gonna be the whole and the fans will will dictate this too like i'd rather kind of be the fifth seed you know 
Notre Dame, look, if Notre Dame's in the top 12, if they're in the, the, one of the top seeds, they're never going to get the bye because they're not in a conference. And it's the deal that they've made mm-hmm. to, and they know that they're going to, like, here's the benefit to them because, again, it's really hard to win the national title. They haven't done this since 1988, so let's face it, they're, you know, the likelihood of them doing it. But if they're going to be in the mix, you're going to have a game in South Bend in one of the best college football meccas, you know, like there is, you know, one of those places. So worth it to them because – you know, probably once every three or four years, at least, South Bend, Indiana is going to have a big party in December. It also makes me think, with all the talk this year about, and baseball and football are completely different, but uh, there was so much talk this year about the baseball playoff format because all the teams that had these short wild card series got some momentum mm-hmm. and they go into, you know, top seed in the league and they win. The first time that we see a one seed maybe get knocked off after a bye week, are we going to get this discussion of, oh, well, Georgia, you know, Georgia got to, Georgia won by 25 in front of their home fans. They worked some things out. They got juiced up. They got some momentum. They come in to play us and then they win that ball game. I don't know. It's just, it's an I, interesting discussion. Well, I do. I think it is. And look, if you have, if you had, because if you're the first seed, you might have 20 days off mm-hmm. between. College like the cha- your championship game and that that playoff game playoff game, so they have twenty days off and the other one only has ten and they've like already worked like again worked it out like you know all right darn it we lost that you know we had that first loss of the year lost to lost to LSU mm-hmm. well no more we're gonna like you know we'll we'll thump Oklahoma today and and move on or whoever it is you know Kansas State and now we've got our momentum and you've just been sitting there like preparing for two different, you know, kind of watching and letting your guys rest up. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a factor. You're going to have to handle it well. So, I don't know. But um, anyhow, all right, when we come back, two topics. Wild college basketball mm-hmm. night last night uh, because UConn got punished, which I didn't think was really possible. Like, everybody can lose, but yeah, I didn't they think beat. you – they got beat bad uh, last night. Plus, we'll do some NFL draft rapid fire this is the triple option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Alongside Stephen Simcox, locked on Horn Frogs, I'm Paul Catalina. Uh, the nicest compliment I've ever received on any chat post ever. Wow. Just oh. now. And that includes yesterday. Kim Coulter said some very nice things. He even texted me. It was great. 
But retired stockbroker says Paul Cadley to once again you as Key Rock, the unfrozen caveman lawyer, speak the truth. Now, if you don't get that reference, I highly suggest what is that? Bill and Ted or the, no? The, the that's Phil Hartman, who was number one all time greatest Saturday Night Live cast member. I will die on that hill. His number one overall best character to me was Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. You need to look it up. It is, I'll play it for you after the show, Stephen. Okay. It is one of the, like, just smoothly funniest things he's ever done. Yeah, I missed that reference. My first thought was, like, the Geico Caveman bit. No. This, this is even probably even ripping off of that because they look kind of like Key Rock. But yes, no, he would, he was, uh, the pre- it was like one of those things where like, this is a shit, like it's a show, you know, mm-hmm. um, he was like, you know, he used to be a caveman. Now he's a lawyer. <laughs> like that was the thing. And instead of him sounding like a caveman, he just looked like a caveman and he wore a suit and he would be in front of this, like, ladies and gentlemen, the jury, when I, Saw a solar eclipse like the one I saw in my condo in Mexico City last year. I think, is the moon eating the sun? I don't know. I'm a caveman. <laughs> that was the bit. It's a good <laughs> it was, bit. Yeah. It was a good bit, and they made it. I think they did maybe three or four of them. It wasn't like, wasn't like a recurring thing. It was recurring, but like but not, recurring yeah. back in that era meant that they were going to do like five or something and then yeah. let it go. Yeah. It wasn't going to be like the cheerleaders that they did all the time. 50 times. Yeah. Which was fine either way, but like they would, you know, I think there were like six conehead sketches over you know four years. Mm. It was just something they would do it like once or twice a year, and then like move on with it, you know. And then like even after that, that was kind of the thing. But unfrozen caveman lawyer was just so good. Insano man, that's what I was thinking of. Oh yeah, that was what I was okay. Insano man, yeah, no, they uh, Phil Hartman again. Uh, and I will die on that hill of best SNL cast member. Best in that, like most like lead sketches, backup characters. Um, if you look at the first Matt Foley sketch, he's the dad. He is the only one who doesn't break. <laughs> he's just right there, you know. While Farley's just jumping up and down. Yeah, David Spade's got to cover his face. Christina Applegate is like about to wet herself, you know, like all that, and then. He's just right down the middle, right down the middle the whole time. Anyway, um, college basketball last night, UConn, big loss for them. Now, it's probably not going to change anything, but it shows that, look, if you can bomb threes on this team, they're vulnerable. I mean, we were kind of at the point with UConn where it was like, are they unbeatable? Like we've seen sometimes, you know, in basketball in the past, not so much lately. I think one of the cool things about the tournament now is the parity with the portal and with all the freshmen that play. You just have different teams every year. But, yeah, Creighton hit a lot of threes. They played well um, and showed some vulnerability from UConn. So I think that could bode well for everybody, namely a team like Houston, which is coming off a big win against Iowa State on Monday, um, that they at least look like there's a chance to take them down, especially on neutral floor. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now another night in the Big 12 and another, like, three games that all – you know, the only one, like, Tech nips TCU 82-81 mm-hmm. uh, in Lubbock, which is a really great showing for, for TCU on the road. To, like, go to Lubbock and barely lose. Like, you, you can go to Lubbock and get throttled yeah. really easily. Ask Kansas. 
Yeah, kind of a missed opportunity for them. They blew a lead late. Uh, both teams lost their big or their big men were out. Warren Washington's been out for Tech for yeah. a little bit now. Ernest Duday was out for TCU, but Tech. I mean, they got buckets when they had to, and it's a tough place to play. TCU missed a few free throws down the stretch, but mainly they just couldn't score in the half court, you know, in the down the stretch of that game. But um, yeah, it's just such a tough league, man. I mean, TCU's a team. If they could have won that game last night, they'd be eight and five. But now they're seven and six, and it's only a one game difference. But it feels like a big difference when you blow a game like that. Yeah. That was winnable. Baylor, you know, could have really used a, a big win on the road against BYU as they go into welcome Houston this week mm-hmm. um, to the Pavilion. Uh, that is that did not happen. They started off really well. They were making all their shots early, and then eh, about halfway through the first half, BYU. Got the home crowd behind them and never really looked back. Um, you know, Baylor, I wouldn't like. I would not call it a bad game for Baylor as their bad games go. They lost by seven, but from the point where they lost the lead in the first half, never got it back. So, just one of those things where they had played two or three games in a row where they controlled from getting end that did not happen in Provo last night. I was a little surprised by this just because it felt like Baylor might be hitting their stride and being a team that could go on the road and win a game like that. But I've been super impressed with BYU all year. I didn't expect much from them in basketball. And, you know, Provo has kind of turned into one of those places similar to Ames and Lubbock and Waco now with the new arena that, I mean, you just don't really go in there and win. Like, you you really have to put together a great effort to beat them in their place. It's, yeah. it's tough to do. Absolutely. So, uh, and a big win for West Virginia uh, last night, 77-67 over UCF. I think think we're getting to the point where we're seeing the teams that are not going to make the the tournament uh, in the Big 12, which at one point you thought, like, man, if this keeps going the way it is, they're going to get, you know, 12 in. Mm -hmm. But right now, to me, it looks like the cutoff line is probably – Oklahoma or Cincinnati. I don't think Kansas State, if they continue on this path, is going to get in. So I would say that Oklahoma would be the last one, and that puts nine teams in. Uh, and then maybe Cincinnati, if they figure it out here down the They stretch. can figure it out down the they're, they're They're good. They're just not, you know, they're six and seven, just like, uh, or they're five and seven right now. So we'll see. But I think it's, I think UCF, West Virginia, and we knew Oklahoma State, like, who knows, but I think UCF's kind of out of it now, although. Mm-hmm. They've proved themselves better than we all thought they'd be going in, and Johnny Dawkins has something to build on. So uh, I think we know where we're going now, and Houston's just so damn good. (laughs) Just so damn good. They play so hard. Yeah. I Like, honestly, it's like Kelvin Sampson gives them the Gene Hackman Hoosier speech every every timeout. Not just every game. Like, every (laughs) media timeout. Every media timeout, they, like, come running out. (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, aside from, like, the first three games of conference play, they've just been a machine. It's like he's just running to, like, one minute he's Gene Hackman, then he's Pacino from any given Sunday. He's just going through the – Sherman Brooks and yeah, Miracle. Ch- channeling just all the different <laughs> great sports movie speeches. He's Rick Moranis for Little Giants. <laughs> but, all right, uh, eight minutes left. Garrett, you ready? Let's do it. NFL draft rapid fire. So yesterday we spoke at length about Brock Bowers. Uh, so today I want to dive into um, three, well, four quarterback needy teams that draft after the top three. And that would be the Falcons, the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Raiders. So if you're one of those four teams, 
and you can't trade into the top three, and you haven't, and you, let's just assume one of them trades for Justin Fields and it's not you. Do you draft J.J. McCarthy, Bonex, or Michael Penix, or do you wait and see how it falls later in the round and take what is sure to be a higher-ranked player than those three? I think it's, it's situational. If I was the Falcons, I would consider taking – this is funny because I, I think I clowned on the sky last week. If I was the Falcons, I would consider taking J.J. McCarthy because I think that he's a guy that could function in a run-heavy offense with B. John Robinson. And if you try to kind of build from there, um, you know, the Broncos, I, I think – you wait and you or you take a higher rated player. I just don't see there are just so many needs there. Where do you think Russell Wilson ends up, Paul? I think Russell Wilson's part of this equation as well. Because Kirk Cousins is part of this equation. You know, like Russell Wilson, to me, Russell Wilson to Minnesota makes a little bit of sense mm-hmm. if Kirk Cousins decides he's gonna go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, like they affect this in a lot of ways. And if I'm if I'm Minnesota and say I I re-sign Kirk Cousins. I might still draft Michael Penix in the second round yeah. if he's there. Um, just because I know that, like, we're towards the end of Kirk Cousins. By the way, saw him at the Super Bowl uh, at, on McAfee. He was at McAfee's set. Moving around pretty good. So, I mean, now that he's running, it wasn't like he was. Yeah, he wasn't doing he, sprints. He wasn't, he wasn't <laughs> throwing routes. But, you know, a lot of times you don't see the injured guys on Radio Road at all because they don't want, you know, every camera to watch them. Living in, but he, he looked pretty good. So looked like he's on his way to recovery. I think my concern with all those teams, what was the third team you mentioned? Falcons, Broncos, and who else? Vikings and uh, Raiders. Okay. The bet- Raiders are at 13. And yeah. so <laughs> Antonio Pierce has an interesting problem. He did such a good job. He rallied them just to the point out of where they can for sure get Have an impact player. The, the guy that they want, you know, and they're probably going to have to trade up or they're going to have to trade for Justin Fields. I just don't see any of those teams other than the Broncos maybe with Sean Payton, even though I feel like we're a little past this. Like None of them have QB whisperer coaches, right? Or yeah. I mean, all those players that we mentioned, I think Penix will be the most kind of pro-ready at the moment. But you're, all ta- you're talking about three guys that are, I would consider, projects at the next level, mm-hmm. which means you either have to let them sit and wait or you have to have somebody – on staff, who's going to mold them and put put them in a place to be successful? And I just don't really see any coaching staff that really fits that bill. Yeah. But I mean, you got to you got to do something. Yeah, Garrett, what do you do? Uh, man, I'm still up in the air on McCarthy. Like, I, I don't I don't know if I would draft him or not. I know there's there's people that say he's going to be a star. I just I didn't see enough from him during his time at Michigan to think that he could come in and lead my franchise in the NFL to success. I just I just haven't seen it. Um, I would take Penix. And I would still be kind of leery on uh, Bo Nix as well. But I think it also comes down to situational things and whichever works for one of those franchises. Yeah, I, like I'm not sold on J.J. McCarthy, although every draft expert seems to kind it's of confusing. be high on him mm-hmm. because of the tools. Now, um, Jim Nagy, who runs the, the, the Senior Bowl, is a really good follow and a guy to, to read. And, and we've had him on the show several times. I hope we get him on here soon about the draft because – there's a difference between what guys can do and what they've been asked to do in college. 
So the example I'll give you is the shotgun. Like so many teams run out of the shotgun now. I remember hearing Bryce Petty's like, I haven't been under center since I was like a sophomore in high school. And so he never did it at Baylor. So it had been like seven years since he'd actually done that. And so he had like a senior bowl, like they're putting him under center because they want to see him do that. And it was, it was challenging for him Mm -hmm. because he, he just hadn't done it. And it seems like one of those things that you should just know how to do. Now, sometimes guys can just go, okay, fine. Got it. And because they're never asked to do it doesn't mean they can, you know, route tree is one of those things where there are receivers that run those, those kind of, you know, spread offenses. They don't have like the real route tree, you know, but then when like you like, okay, can you do this and this? And they're like, yeah. And they go do it. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, they just never, nobody ever told them they had to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that might be a little bit the case with JJ McCarthy in that Michigan was just so good being that power offense that they're like, you know, we, we have this club in our bag, but you know, if we're going to drive the green every time, we don't really need to use it. Mm-hmm. So, which is which is kind of how they did it. Right. So I'm willing to like I'm willing to wait and see, but I get it. Like, there's nothing I've seen from him other than the fact that like he's really athletic, he's got a good strong arm, and he's got moxie, man. Like he is like, you know, if you if you told me like, hey, uh, I need somebody who's going to you know go in the game for me and like keep it you know here. And here, yeah, J.J. McCarthy, I'll buy it. He's like, he's the one who took Michigan over the top. Like, to me, he was the X factor. They could have gotten all the other dudes, you know. Um, like Joe Burrow, who's immensely, in my opinion, more talented than J.J. McCarthy. Yes. The reason that Joe Burrow took an LSU team that was constantly tripping over its own feet was that he had not only the skill that they've been lacking at quarterback, but he had it here and here where like none of the other guys did, yeah. you know, JJ McCarthy's got that. Like, he's not afraid of anything. There's not a situation like, Hey, look, we're down 10 points. There's only four minutes left. Like you need to go score in like a minute and a half. And then like, we're, we need, we're probably gonna have to do it in less time than that. When we get the ball back, like, okay, I got it. That's fine. It's mathematically possible. You don't have to, I won't stress about it, you know? So that's where I think he is, but I don't know. Like it's, it's one of those weird things. Mm-hmm. It's one of those weird things. I, I, if I'm the if I'm the Raiders, I'm doing everything I can to trade up and hoping, hoping against hope, that the Patriots don't want a quarterback. Like they're just like we have too much to build before we go get that quarterback, and we don't want to ruin him. Right. Like there's too much to do. We're just gonna wait. We may draft one later, like Michael Pratt or somebody like that. Uh-huh. But we'll right now that. we've got like we need to rebuild this whole thing, so let's not ruin a quarterback. And also be curious to see what the Pats do, because, I mean, they could re- – we're not really reach, but they could draft Marvin Harrison Jr., but then it's like, is that where you want to start your rebuild with wide receiver, even one as pro-ready as he is? But, yeah, I mean, I think the Raiders, they've got some pieces, and they're, they're playing hard for Antonio Pierce, so if you have the game-changing quarterback, that kind of changes the whole equation. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, it's 2 o'clock. So that means we're done, and now I get to show Stephen unfrozen caveman lawyer sketches. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who tuned in today. Um, again, we're going to uh, – Stephen, might I interest you in being involved in our upcoming College Football 25 League? Sure. Yeah. Okay, there we go. We've got Stephen on board. So I'm pretty sure we can probably get all of our oh, yeah. rotating co-hosts involved. It's going down. It's, it. it's not something that people from our generation are going to say no to. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's, this, this is what we do. It kind of feels like 
when a new Spider-Man movie comes out. Like, even though we should be too old for Spider-Man, we're like, no, absolutely. We're, yeah. I'm in. We're all going on premiere night. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where is that little rascal? Let's go, <laughs> let's go crawl some walls, buddy. Uh, anyway, uh, that's going to do it for us. We've got a really good show. Sam Kahn. Uh, do we have Stuart Mandel today? Yeah, Stuart Mandel, Sam Kahn. Hang on here. Uh, then we got Chuck Cooperstein and Jason Shear. Okay, yeah, there we go. Uh, and then the top five that I have yet to do, Emery, and I'm well aware of that. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A 